good luck. And we're back. You were just listening to the sounds of the 80s. Well, here we Ooh. are on our... Where this radio joke probably needs to end with this episode. But it's hard because Scott and I used to do radio shows together, That's you know, right. back in back in the Ocala days. And uh, old habits die hard. We can yeah. get into that. Um, so I'm just over here trying to have it all. No big deal. Um, running from doing the gym and then make sure the laundry gets in. And then, Scott, what's your mornings like? What, what do you... I drop the kids off at school, and then um, I come to work. So typically, I'm here. I can be here by seven forty-five. Nice. Yeah, I got nerds, so my kids like to be <laughs> to school really, really early. We can't get there too late. We're gonna miss the homework assignment, Dad. They are crazy like that. I don't know how I. Are they both I mean, like I guess that? it's a blessing. Both of my kids are. Like my son, he's he's probably more scatterbrained, but he he's the. He read more out of the whole school last year than any wow. other student. He read five million words, and you got to like track wow. that. So you stu- you know, you test on each book that you read or whatever. We should point and out my, that Scott's kids yeah. are homeschooled, so it's not that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, oh, so your yeah, daughter, they're what? not homeschooled, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think I could. I definitely could homeschool. I don't know if my wife has the patience for it either. But <laughs> so maybe um, we should change paths on this podcast to do a parenting one <laughs> instead that's we like could do that pretty amazing later down the road yeah just be, i'll just be sharing all of my mistakes that we make with the kids and <laughs> my two-year-old is uh she's causing some havoc right now at daycare she doesn't want to nap yeah. and uh but they're both smart kids too but um my oldest one i, and I don't you, know if it's like this with your kids like the oldest one is she's an older and she's a girl and she's just mm-hmm. more responsible like can kind of get up even from when she was little like take care of herself but the youngest one is like I right. think it's because they're so used to being denied everything by the older kid that yeah. they are defiant. They're like, stop pushing yeah. me around. And I don't know. I don't know if there's a truth to yeah. that or not. Yeah, we could do, we could do, um, yeah, let's make that like the sixth or seventh episode. We definitely talk about parenting. I have a wide range of children from the age of 32 to now a two month old. Wow. So 15, 13, and four and a half, they're squeezed in the middle. Man. So. Lots of life you do, experience. You, you do have like quite a stretch of like children in the age, you know, like yeah, all your eight wives. I think is really just start. You know, you're like <laughs> yeah, you know the 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 first through seventh wife didn't really work out. Yeah. The, you know that <laughs> you're like Jacob. You know, making the children. You know, somebody's got to yeah. populate yeah, the earth. Right. Anyways, most of this is BS. Just following God's laws here. That's all. He's he's making me do it. I don't. There you go. It. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this oh, took a turn. Uh, I <laughs> told Scott, we'll just banter for a second. I didn't know we we're going to be diving down that road. Anyway, so we are continuing our series here on the five temperaments. Uh, our last episode was on the temperament of melancholy. And with each of these episodes, we're going to try to follow a similar structure so you can kind of compare and contrast and understand um, what you might be or the proclivities you might have, the way you might be, uh, and see them in the same situations over and over. So uh, we, we last covered melancholy. One thing we didn't quite get into was the the reason somebody might be anxious or struggle with anxiety as a melancholy. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So if it, just to to summarize real quick, a melancholy is the introvert, the analytical person, more private, very independent, task oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, the opposite of who we're going to talk about today. Uh, typically, a melancholy can be anxious. So we should know that the three top um, mental illnesses, if you will, is anxiety, 
depression and adjustment disorder, right? So mm -hmm. generalized anxiety disorder, major depression and um, adjustment disorder. So for, for a melancholy who's very analytical and thought is it kind of leads their moods, if you will. Um, anxiety comes from worrying about the future. Oh no, I got this big test. What am I going to do about this bill coming up? Uh, mm -hmm. We got a trip. I got to plan every, I want to know every angle. What about in my business? We got to strategize. I got to know the next hundred steps out or whatever. So yeah. we can become overly worried about future events. Um, the depression is typically from rumina rumination. So thinking about the past in an extremely negative way. So I wish, you know, it could go back to some kind of trauma, like with our parents or something like that. Or it could just be continually living in doubt. Oh, I wish I would have handled that situation different. Man, I should have talked to that person like this instead of that. And so ruminating, thinking about the past too long in a negative way. You can't go back and do anything about the past. Um, there's very little that you can do for the future. I say that it's like the hurricane when, when we think about anxiety. Um, the hurricane's coming. What can you do about it? Well, there are things you can do about it. Make a little to-do list, right? You can yeah. be responsible. You go and get water. You trim up your trees. You clean up your yard so nothing goes flying around. You listen to the radio. You buy gas. You do everything you're supposed to do. But there's a point where there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to plan for. And then you just have to say, give it over to God. All right, mm -hmm. God, I trust you. I did everything I feel like I should do. If you got something else you want me to do, tell me and I'll do it. But mm -hmm. I've done it all. With depression, uh, you know, I would say if it's if it's uh, major depression disorder, you probably should just talk to a therapist because yeah. there's too much to 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 uh, untangle if you will when you when you talk about rumination. We'll have to do an we'll have to do episodes on this because I find myself really I think rumination is the word I haven't identified and I do this a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking to my wife a couple weeks ago. I was like, I struggle with like fear, fear of missing out, you know, FOMO stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah. for me, it's more of fear of, I made a past mistake fear mm -hmm. that I'm like, it could be better had I not took a chance and move, you know, it's like, so we moved our family from Florida with no plan, you know, and felt yeah. like it was God directed. Mm -hmm. God kind of like op didn't close the doors. And so we did it. Uh, and then we got up here and it was immediate, like, kids were sick all the time we had no no mm -hmm. um community we didn't have any you know and things have honestly been really good like we've we've kind of grinded it out and made a community for ourselves but i still struggle with like oh should we have sold our house like what if we could have mm -hmm. you know like this ruminating idea so it's not it's not beholden to melancholy this would affect everything and i don't want to get too far away from the topic of today but maybe we'll do an episode even about like what defines a mental disorder versus a disease like at what point does it cross over or what are the parameters there yeah yeah i like that and and then what is your temperament how does your temperament con contribute to all of those things yeah, yeah yeah this would be a great conversation not to have while we're recording uh dive <laughs> <laughs> in no okay so that makes sense anything else there before we jump into sanguine uh, no, so we'll save it for our mental illness and temperament um, okay. episode because there's a lot there, but we could dive in some into some details and maybe get some feedback from our uh, listening, our live listening audience. That's maybe we'll right. take some phone calls. Yeah, we'll take a, let's take like a that. call. See, the, the phones are lighting yeah. up right now. All right, so uh, let's jump into Sanguine here. And I think this is one, Sanguine is me, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So how you are in inclusion is is a saying one. This is um, gonna be a five hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna really we're gonna really <laughs> shrink good. Jonathan here yeah, and here see what makes him tick. Um I like in in our assessment for a saying one it says we're like sunshine on a cloudy day. Mm, I like it. Sunshine so far. on a cloudy day. We draw people a saying one will draw yeah, people to mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um we're fascinating. We're very optimistic and open mm, uh, <laughs> well you're you're not a completely sanguine in every in each area so yeah, you, this is where some doubts and and um other things come in come into play but where you are a sanguine at is the first area and it's inclusion remember this is the how we like to socialize That's and right. our thinking process That's right. a sanguine is very very social our whole world revolves around how can i be around people today yeah. So melancholy, as as we talked about, the opposite of a saying one is task oriented. What what do I need to do today? A saying one might would say, how do I people today? So what is the difference between a sanguine and um an extrovert? Do they typically line up together? Yeah, yeah. A saying one is our term for extrovert. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so the big five. If you want to, if you really want to contrast and compare different um, personalities with temperament, um, you're like, like I said, you're in inclusion. This is the person that wants to go out all the time, to be around friends, uh, really loves to socialize and hang out in this area. We talked about the melancholy, depression, anxiety. Sanguine, their major depression is isolation or loneliness. That's our mm. biggest fear. If I'm isolated or lonely and I'm a sanguine, I'm going to suffer. I'm really going to struggle. So that's incredibly interesting, especially talking about the rumination factor. I think the times I doubt myself the most is when I'm feeling isolated or lonely. And yeah. I start to think, oh, I would have had a community if I hadn't left Jacksonville or something like that. Right. Because where's my, you know, uh, this is. Five-hour episode. Here we go. This is yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A social person needs to be around people, and if they're not, then they're going to struggle one way or the other. The yeah. anxiety for a social person is typically social anxiety or worrying about what other people might think about them. Sure. Um, now, when we start talking about like our closest people, anxiety and depression can be because of our closest people. So if we're with someone who makes us anxious because they're, they're anxious or they're angry or they're abusive or something like that then that kind of contribution um relational contribution can definitely mess us up and i think it'd be worth clarifying that this doesn't mean you are codependent or needy in its no no in its inception (laughs) like uh, i'm just justifying for myself but no but there's like yeah we're made to live in community and i think a lot of people could live on a mountain by themselves and never talk to anybody and feel okay but i don't believe that you're living your your best life in that that situation so this desire for community for friendships for family those are good things the issue is when it runs your whole life and that's what i think you have to kind of rein in i've realized that with me it's like yeah dude you can be lonely you know like yeah it's okay if you're by yourself and you're not producing some party or result you know producing some good um it's okay but the the um the feelings and the desire for, for community is a good thing to start with yeah i think i think like with any temperament it's about balance a sane yeah. one left on its own without balance will be out partying being around people 24 7 mm. with balance we learn how to be alone and to be okay alone and that's that's a vital skill yeah. that you know we might need to develop and we could talk about that especially in the affection area 
that, you know, a bit later in the episode. But yeah. the, the idea here is our need or our desire is to be around people, to go yeah. to socialize when we're in a career where let's say we're, we're a sanguine and we're stuck in the basement and we're working from home and we have gray walls and no windows. <laughs> <laughs> There's a piano in the background. No, please continue. <laughs> um, we could feel we could feel very very depressed because mm. there's no one around, right? Yeah. So, um, however, <laughs> if we're in that basement and we put some plants out and a picture that we like and maybe yeah. our uh, some photos of our family and we take a minute to call a friend or do a podcast or something like that. <laughs> we would feel better almost immediately. So yeah. the isolation is and loneliness is depression. Anxiety is fear of what people would think of me. Yeah. And both of those things, by the way, will really drive some behaviors. If I think for whatever reason I'm unhealthy and I think I'm not um, you know, comfortable in my own skin, as people say, and I yeah. or you know, I remember as a teenager, I didn't, I didn't have acne really bad, but when I did, just even one little thing is just like, oh my gosh, what's you know, what's gonna happen? Nobody cares. Everybody had acne at that age, but yeah. um, it became the most, the, the largest thing in my in my purview, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh, um, it's kind of like that. If if you're worried about what you look or you don't like your outfit or something like that, as the saying would, a melancholy would care less. They're dressed in black, you know, mm -hmm. they're their heads down they don't want to talk they don't want to draw attention the sanguine i i imagine is like the flower you know that mm. attracts the bees and smells good and is in bright colors and look at me look at me so a sanguine definitely likes attention but also gives attention to others mm. we're yeah. very genuine in our socialization so mm -hmm. um i say a hugger a hugger hugs because they think everybody wants to hug and they like to hug and so the hugger not only gives hugs to make other people happy, but they like hugs. So it's yeah. important for them to receive the hug as well. And I think probably so, one of the best things that happened to a sanguine actually is aging because <laughs> you, one, you maybe get more of a home life built up typically, or, you know, for me, it's like the kids are a big part of my world, obviously. Right. Um, but also I'm too tired to like go out. Like, I don't want to socialize <laughs> every night of the week. I'm like, fine, stand in. So you do right. evolve like, you know, the, and yeah. every, most students in high school probably want to social want to be the you know so these things do evolve and while it may have the same baseline a lot of the i think the extremes of both sides probably probably minimize so um so okay so the workplace home and house party scenario basically talking to folks and yeah. okay with very comfortable open yeah. talking to people sh over sharing maybe this is the person if you meet them for the first time they just told you their whole uh, life yeah, story yep yep Without yeah. balance, right? Mm -hmm. So, I well, I should I should add. You said baseline, and that's good. I would say how we develop over time is through maturity, and then how we lean into our strengths, um, yeah. or if we lean into our weaknesses, then it then it looks one way. If we lean into our strengths, it could look so, like something different. Yeah. But this is what this podcast is all about: to bring awareness to right. how you're designed or wired or created yeah. or however you want to yeah, phrase absolutely. that. So, yeah, absolutely. It's being self aware. You know, like recognizing, yeah. like, there, like you can have the, like a, a super sanguine extrovert that annoys everybody because he doesn't get the right. hint, like you know. <laughs> or yeah. you can have people that are like, oh, they're great to have around. They really get the party moving. Uh, you know that, that kind of stuff. So, um, okay. So when it comes to making decisions and control, what are right. what are sanguines like? 
So Sanguine's interesting because they can be very controlling. Um, now, not in a, not necessarily in a negative way. When they're at their best, they have they're very independent and in control. They feel best when they're getting accolades and data boys and they know what they're doing or there's some kind of reward. They're very much motivated by the reward yeah. and punishment. No one likes to be punished and reward. Not uh, The melancholy, I don't know if I mentioned this, but melancholy is self-motivated. So rewards and punishment doesn't motivate them. They have to want to do it. A saying one is very much... Uh, motivated by rewards. So if you're in a career or in a position or your spouse is very critical or demeaning or even, you know, makes a lot of demands and puts you down and things like that, you're going to very, you're going to be very dependent on others. You're going to want a lot of direction, a lot of instruction. And again, at the soul of a sanguine is to be accepted, to be liked, to be social. So if someone who, especially our boss, who is is negative toward us, then we're not really people pleasers, but we're going to want to make, we're going to want to do something. We're going to be really confused. So we operate best when we have encouragement, support, cheerleader, um, high rewards, those kinds of things. When we're doubted and demeaned and criticized, we're very dependent on others. So that's how a sanguine, a sanguine can go from one setting to another setting. And when they're feeling confident, they're going to be, um, they're happy to have control and to make decisions and to be in charge when, um, criticized and unappreciated and those kinds of things, they're going to be, um, very indecisive. So that's why the setting makes so much sense to me because you think about, uh, oh, you know, if he's feeling confident and good, like salespeople are probably typically, uh, Mm-hmm. you know sanguines uh and i yep. say this in my job interviews i'm like you know all salespeople are insecure like we need to hear like <laughs> i say like you right. know i need to know when i'm doing the right things like i don't need an award every time i do my job but like i need to know is this the is this what you want me doing i'm like, gonna check the box and that's me some yeah. people are salespeople and they're off the rails do their own thing right but, um, right 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 but <laughs> that's interesting because if i'm feeling confident let's say i'm giving a demo or a presentation and i know my stuff the audience is like good like i feel really good i could also be in a situation where i'm getting grilled and i'm or it's like just really tense i'll shut down i'll be like more quiet it doesn't change the fact that i'm saying so you could see like oh he's really quiet he's not saying oh he's probably melancholy and like no he still has the same temperament he's just in an element where he's not going to get those affirmations that would maybe fill his tank and drive him to be more outgoing um so he does the inverse and he just maybe looks like a melancholy. Does that make sense? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Our environment matters. Acceptance and rejection often like an acceptance to happiness and, mm-hmm. po- and positivity and well-being and all that. Whereas rejection is definitely uh, pain, suffering, torture. No one wants to be rejected. Right. Uh, melancholies need only acceptance really from their closest people. Saying one, wa- saying one wants to be accepted by everybody. Yeah. You'll ask, I remember my daughter's this way, and as I was taking the assessment for her, one of the questions, like we were going over the, over the questionnaire, and one of the questions are like, how many friends do you need? And she goes, all of them. I need all my friends. You know, I need all yeah. the friends. I need all yeah. the friends in the world. So a sanguine wants everybody to be their friend and, yeah. and can struggle uh, when that's not the case. You know, it makes me think about uh, two things. But first, John Mulaney, <laughs> he was talking about talking to his wife. He's like, my wife walks down the 
Road, she doesn't care if anyone likes her. And she said, walking yeah. with you is like being with somebody <laughs> who's running for the mayor of nothing. Right. You know, he's right. like, I have to be liked by everybody. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I was talking to some old college friends, uh, you know, sharing with like, oh, sometimes I feel like lonely in this community or whatever. And it's one, I think it's the stage of life. You know, it's like, yeah, people are busy. Kid, like you, I can't go out and do stuff every night of the week anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But I feel like college fooled us into thinking like you can have 500 friends and that's totally maintainable. Social media <laughs> has fooled us into thinking like you have 1500 friends. No, you don't. Right. Like you have like probably a few core friends. Uh, right. But for me, I struggle sometimes. I'm like, oh, the house isn't full of people every weekend anymore. I'm I'm failing or something's wrong. If I could just go back to where I was and it wouldn't be like that because my stage of life is different now, but I, right. I ruminate. That's my, that's yeah. my word of the, <laughs> the week here. Um, and I, re- and I remember how things were and I compare it to how mm. things are. And I think mm. that's where some of that, that tension and, um, anxiety or fear of make, have made making a mistake kicks in. Yeah, I, you mentioned social media. My mind immediately goes to what kind of person is on social media, and it's it's a huge attention seeker. So many of the people that are just really doing nothing and just trying to get your attention for no reason, not teach you something, right? It's yeah. probably a saying one. A saying one is like, look at me, look at me, look how pretty I am, look how handsome I am, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a melancholy, it'd be more like instruction or direction or teaching, right? So mm-hmm. you ha- you have that diverse world, and maybe that's a whole that's a whole other topic that w- that'd be fun to get Man, into. Coming up with all the topics but, yeah. tonight, we'll do a social media. Look at us. us. I was worried about this podcast till this episode. Like, we don't have the content. There's nothing to talk about. I'm just doing this so Scott feels good. See how uh, talkative <laughs> we are about saying ones. There, you know, the social people make us even talk more. That's look the at, that's the that. title of the show. Yeah. Sanguine, um, sanguine <laughs> diving. All right, so um, so in the workplace, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Depending on their if they're in their elements um, or versus if they're not getting those affirmations, they're not getting the attaboys. Um, and then finally, the third scenario is, is affection. Who we are with our our best friends. Um, right. This is gonna this is interesting because a sanguine typically has a lot of friends, but then they'll have closest friends. Unpack that for us. So, yeah, saying when I talk about like the inclusion area, how we like to socialize and our thinking process is kind of like the door to all of our relationships. So if you're an open person and you're talking to everybody and you're smiling when you go in the gym, you're smiling and waving. Hey, how's it going? Like mm-hmm. like said, the mayor of, of nothing um, that that invites a lot of people into your life. So typically you're right. A saying one has a larger group of friends um, that they want to hang out with. And that's that's important to them. They need to be social. Therefore, they need to maintain more friendships and they have the ability to main they have the capacity and the ability to maintain more friendships that's what they are they they have high social energies whereas a melancholy has high task energies hmm. so that's the opposite right you can either typically you only have one or the other you can be extremely task oriented or extremely relational or people oriented and so in the affection area the way that a sanguine shows love is i love you you look so hot (laughs) uh give me hugs and cuddles and kisses Mm -hmm. and let's go um on an adventure and spontaneity and romance 
card I wrote for my wife on her birthday this year. Yeah. <laughs> line by line. That's you nailed it. <laughs> That's watch the Hallmark Channel. Whatever those yeah, dudes exactly. are doing on there. <laughs> if you if you're married to saying one, dude, just copy that stuff. They there want all go. the adventure and romance and a melancholy. No, thank you. Black yeah. and white. Um, I you know uh, very routine. Doesn't care about romance as much. Uh, maybe when you're dating, but after that, it's very practical. Whereas a sanguine wants the shiniest package um, under the Christmas tree and loves to celebrate and mm-hmm. decorate and enjoy life, right? Um, now, I would I should add, so that's how they would show love that way, and that's how they expect love. They mm-hmm. want their, their friends and their spouses to give them lots of hugs, cuddles, conversation, attention, affection. Um, they don't care necessarily about the budget. They don't care about cleaning the house. They don't care about, they might do all those things, but they don't care about it. It's not what fills their, fills their cup. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. um, I don't, yeah. I definitely, I don't know how much money we have. Uh, right. I my wife, I'm like, can I have, is it okay if I buy this video game? <laughs> yeah. But I do clean the house. I do take that serious. Um, good job. Yeah. yeah. You're probably made to do that at some but, point. But, you know, if she doesn't tell me good job on cleaning the house, then what's the point? Cause, right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. You get it. See? Look at you. Um, um, so you, yeah. you've said before that you are melancholy at work and you're sanguine at home. Is that right? Right. Yeah. But, but that's not yes. fully true. So you have characteristics of a sanguine while your baseline temperament is melancholy? No, no. So I'm a melancholy in inclusion. So my okay. thinking process and my desire to socialize outside of my closest friends um, is as an introvert. So if you see mm. my office, it's it's perfectly straight. Before a patient walks in, I straighten. If the patient before that messed up my coasters or, or my water bottles or something like that, everything is is exactly OCD in order and straight. Um at home, I don't care. Like nothing has to be in it. We, my wife likes order, and so we're pretty orderly. But it doesn't fill my bucket if things are straight and perfect. But at work, I'm a I'm a psychologist, so I gotta think. I've gotta mm-hmm. research. I gotta analyze what the problem is. I'm also an art, a little bit of an artist, so I like to create and I like to imagine things and draw things and paint things and and all those and all that. So. In that thinking and desire to socialize, very much the analytical introvert, very private. I'm not telling everybody my business at home or when you come in. So my door to all my first relationships are, are is is isn't very wide open, right? Um, you got in there, Jonathan. So you're in my sanguine, you yeah, know, you were area. like obsessed with me. You want to leave me alone? Yeah, it's weird. It's the only yeah. Time <laughs> So, so we have fun together and I can be a little bit more open and, you know, um, I wouldn't mind a hug every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my kids know that I'm the cuddler of the home and I'm the one that wants to go do adventure and spontaneity and all that. Your wife, Bria, is melancholy work and home? Yes. She's, she's melancholy phlegmatic. There's a blend there at home. So there's a little bit more passiveness to to her temperament, but she's definitely orderly task oriented. She's the one, like you said, she's the one that, that manages the budget and lets me know what we got to. Why do you, why do you think you flip like that then, uh, for versus work versus home settings, settings? Settings. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Now the theory says it's just because that's how we're wired. Mm Hmm. Um, and we'll, when we really start talking about, I see a lot of people that they're melancholy, maybe, um, 
so private, independent, supine in control, can't make a decision, doesn't want to make a decision. And they could be also melancholy, supine, or any other temperament at home. And it's accurate. I'm telling you, I've seen thousands and thousands of people. And as you take that assessment, you won't be able to figure it out as you're taking it. Like, what? I don't know. I'll just answer the question. Mm -hmm. And um, it's 90, it has a 97% accuracy rate. So, so it is fascinating, but yeah. So saying one at home, I liked, we just want to do fun stuff. We're more open and optimistic with our closest people. Um, The difference in like, a sanguine who is a sanguine in inclusion and an affection, a sanguine in inclusion will invite a lot of people into their life. I don't Mm. do that. So my closest people Uh, is only a handful of people. Um, So, you know, on the outside of like my family, there's only a handful of people that I'm like this with. So most Mm. people would never know me as this hugger i'm not hugging anybody you know i'm at church i'm not hugging i'm not hugging my patients unless they ask for one yeah that's so interesting so the setting plays such a big part and i mean obviously your home is is probably the most important setting you have so for Mm -hmm. me i'm like thinking like at work i'm not like hugging everybody at work i mean i have boundaries like i like talking to people at the gym i talk to nobody you know put my headphones on at work i'm like i will chat with anybody but when I worked in a big office in Jacksonville, I knew like three people, you know, I wasn't like, Hey, I haven't met you. I'm just, you know, like, yeah, but, yeah. um, you know, typically I, I will talk to anybody, probably tell them too much more than they asked yeah. for, you know, <laughs> but I also can like read their face. I'm like, this is interesting. Or I'm dying up here. And that's what stand up right. comedy has helped. <laughs> it's like, this bit's not working. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, my home, I, I'd, one of the struggles I think I have with where we're at now is that it's not big enough to like welcome in other people. Cause I want people coming to my mm-hmm. house and actually was just recently talking to my mom about this. Like I grew up in, I think it was 900 square foot home, like born and raised mm-hmm. to early college was there. Never had anyone over like ever. Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah. I can count probably in a handful of times. And I remember who came over and when it's like stayed the night uh, or spent the afternoon. Um, yeah. And I think that was not just because of house size, but because of um, certain dynamics with my dad. Um, now I want the house to be full. Like I'm like I want yeah. Violet and Harper. I'm like I want to be the party house. I want, but even yeah. before they came along, I'm like I want I want to have the house. So I think that the desire is always there. But so it's interesting. All that to say is like the, my setting is like my home to where I spend time with my wife, my closest friends. But I also want to bring more people into that. Right. Um, so that's interesting. The setting does play a, a factor, but. It, you invite people into that setting, it, it kind of expands it. I don't know if that's making sense. I need yeah, your affirmation right so I, I right kind of look at it this way. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll explain what you're saying here. Um, I think the environment matters to a sanguine. It should be bright and colorful and friendly, warm and inviting. And so you would be anxious or worried about maybe what the people you're inviting into your home think about it, right? Or um, can we have a party over here? Yeah. I care about them, how they're enjoying themselves. I do. Yeah. Like, I care. Like, yeah. are they get somebody talking to Like, if we have a larger party, it's like, well, somebody talking to this I'll go talk and make sure. I want them to feel yeah. welcome and peace and, com- you know, but right. I do think about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's your job as a sanguine is to make everybody feel good and talk to everybody. And you're kind of like, I saw this. There's an episode of, of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he's talking about the, the middle of the table, right? The middle has to be able to carry the conversation. <laughs> and so you yeah. got to be the social person yeah. in the middle, and you gotta you got to have enough intellect to carry the conversation. And you can't have the oddballs in the middle because they're going to mess everything up, and it's, it's going to get weird fast. So true. And yeah. At Brittany's birthday yeah. dinner a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I sat at the very end, and I was like, 
this is my version of hell. Like, what am I yeah. doing? Like, I can't, yeah. I can't steer the conversation when we're here. <laughs> Lobbing like thought grenades for the table. I'm like, I can't act, you know, but yeah, makes sense. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. So, um, in a nutshell, saying one loves people, they, they typically attract people to them. Um, and they really enjoy that. They struggle if they're isolated or lonely or if they're closest people or they're people that's around them that are, um, you know, down or negative or abusive mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, in, in a stuck. So we joked around about being in the basement and, you know, doing a podcast and it, with gray walls, but, but truly if you're, if you're a sanguine and you're in a position where you're isolated, you can do something, even if it's in a cubicle that to brighten, to brighten that space up. If you're allowed yeah. to play music low or have a plant and have pictures of people and take a break by the water cooler, that's why the water Water cooler idea is so popular. Yeah. You are able to, you know. So even if you're in a hostile and you don't, you hate all the people around you for whatever reason, and but you have that need to be social, you can still decorate in a way that you feel yeah. comfortable and you feel warm and friendly and all that. Well, that that was one of the big reasons we moved to Leesburg is that we're right downtown. There's like activity going on. There's restaurants. There's coffee shops. Yeah. And so if we work from home, I can go see signs of life. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's really helped. And my neighbor next door will go walk. We'll go grab lunch. Basically, my coworker um, mm-hmm. helps because yeah, I when I was doing it before, especially during the pandemic. I think the pandemic is probably hardest on the sanguines, like by far. Yeah, uh, oh, I was yeah. in a suburb in Jacksonville, access to nothing but people's houses and old people that care too much about their lawn. You know, like just dogs barking. It was like driving me nuts. So it's very life giving. So you're right. There, there are ways you can compensate for um, maybe settings that aren't, aren't your ideal setting. Um, but it's like again, you got to kind of figure it out as you go. So figure out what yeah. works for you, I guess. I, I just want to add one last thing yeah. here. Um, saying ones are emotional, and we immediately express our emotions. So when it's happy and it's good and it's fun and it's celebratory and it's Christmas and it's birthdays, um, we love that. But an emotional person shares all their emotions. So when they're angry or mad or frustrated or carb you know, cuts them off in traffic, you're going to know it. Yep. The sanguine and never hides their emotions. That's it. That's um, a skill that we need to learn as sanguines, right? To sometimes hide our emotions, but typically yeah. it just comes out. And so our spouses sometimes or our people can really take it personal when we just blurt out something. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. we're, if we get frustrated, everybody in the house knows that, that we're frustrated, but also when our team wins, everybody knows that too, you know? So yeah. emotional people are just emotional and I'm not saying you should just accept bad behavior, but there's a lot of grace with understanding, hey, you know what? They're emotional. They ex- immediately express whatever's on their mind. There's no filter. Um, yeah. And that's another topic, how to filter. We talk about the triangle of thinking and um, and uh, relating and emotional and, and then how to respond to our environment. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, uh, a relational person immediately goes to the emotion. And so if I say to a melancholy, which is the introvert analytical person, hey, how do you feel about that? A melancholy will always say, hmm, let me think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I got to make a decision on my feeling. Yeah. If I ask a saying on how do you feel about that, boom, immediately going to tell us how they feel. Oh, yeah. So ask me how I feel about this podcast emotions. right now, Scott. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's probably over time. Feeling <laughs> a little anxious that we're cutting. No, <laughs> no I think um, you know it, it makes a lot of sense to to yeah. And this is why I love doing this this show so far is like you're leaning into your strengths, you're understanding who you are. And I think about like oh emotions. It's like oh don't be so emotional. Well, that's bad advice because God made you to be emotional. Read the Psalms. That's right. It's all. I mean, David was weeping one minute, dancing down the street naked. The other, you know, like he's probably mm-hmm. sanguine. Um, yeah. Whitney Houston is a sanguine. She gets so yeah. emotional, baby, every time she <laughs> thinks right. of you. So that the idea is that you have to harness this power and not. What I've had to work on, like especially since having kids, I, I realized like to your point say every emotion out loud i'm like muttering to myself you know now for me it's like i've learned to like harness that like i can't just i just can't rant and talk about the end of days you know if if (laughs) the house is messy and i'm just feeling overwhelmed actually i can do that i just can't do that in front of anybody so i go right i go to the garage and mutter at my tools and like just let it out like i there's something releasing about saying it out loud and i also realized this is the power of like having a professional therapist because i would kind of dump all this on my mom and sister especially when we first moved up and the kids were sick and it was pandemic Mm. i realized i overshared to them because i had to get it out i had to say it but i was unloading all this stuff that like you shouldn't really think on beyond me saying it beyond the sentence he doesn't really mean it he's just feeling overwhelmed um right. so i started to one get leave the room and two talk to a professional <laughs> it's both has really helped and <laughs> yeah. my wife will tell you she's like it's night and day be you know once you once you realized that that was how you were processing things and it was yeah. detriment she's like my wife would hear me say like horrible things that i didn't mean i wasn't like you're a b and all, you know f right, you know right, like, right. it wasn't like that but it was just like i feel I was trying to figure out a way to to share that I was felt like I was drowning, and I I did yeah. struggle with anxiety like I've never had before when the kids had RSV and we had nobody up here. It was like mm-hmm. ten days of hell. Um, I couldn't sleep near the baby monitor at, at one point because I was so used to being like high alert, high alert. Well, that wow. messes you up, and this was coming yeah. out of the pandemic where we had been so much fear, so much you know isolation, all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I haven't changed my temperament. I have not suddenly right. become you know, melancholy, but I've learned to harness it. And I'm not like perfect on this at all, but learning that about myself and then also learning that it's okay that I'm this way. It's not like, Hey, stop being so emotional, which is something I think a lot of guys probably hear growing up. Like, don't be a baby. Like you're not allowed to cry. Like, no, you are, you know, but you got to learn ways to harness that and, um, con- control it at least in different settings and, and also where to probably release it and how to release it in a good way. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the major, that's what therapy does for you is gives you, um, uh, appropriate coping strategies for how to, how to release what's going yeah. on. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Opposites attract too. And, and like, yeah. as, as you could cr- contrast and compare how, how you feel about things and express things like even with your wife and the same for me, um, you understand that there has to be a balance, but with this, you can understand, okay, singles are very much in the moment right now. So we'll be mad about something or extremely excited about something right now in the moment, but 10 or 15 minutes from now oh well you know that was that was that was 15 minutes ago why are you upset about it now well you just yelled and screamed or you just you know whatever and it really i got to think about this for a while Mm -hmm. and so we move through our emotions very quickly as a sanguine whereas a melancholy supine most of the other temperaments 
kind of have a straight line. This just yeah. happened. I got to move through it a little bit more slowly at my own pace. And um, that's that's the deal with emotional people is we, go, we can go up and down pretty yeah. fast. I th- I'm so excited to get into the other three of these too because I think we'll, we'll realize that like there's not a hierarchy of which one's better than the others. Obviously, right. Sanguine's probably yeah. the best if we had to. <laughs> but uh, you can have charismatic, melancholy, charismatic, phleg- phlegmatic folks. You can have really dry sense of humor. There's not like the traits yeah. are not beholden to any one uh when it comes to like maybe personality traits but right. um what would you say temperament then is is defined by what i don't know if we've actually said that like yeah yeah it's de- well it is traits so uh, a it's a certain type of so task oriented versus mm-hmm. so the personalities also kind of latch onto some traits social yeah, okay. introvert gotcha. task um but a temperament is i think temperament gives us way more detail so i can give you there's probably i could probably sit here for an hour and a half and just talk about the sanguine in different settings and in different situations and lots of stories and entertain you for an hour and a half and it would be fun um but yeah, I don't know if you want to listen, to that, but I'm not going to. So don't, don't yeah. so stay tuned. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's these qualities, these traits, these behaviors at the end of the day, it's, it's the behaviors that make us up um, okay. who we are in different settings. So different social settings, it does matter as we discussed. Gotcha. I'll give you a fast story. This will be, this will be a, a good ending story. I had a lady, she was the sanguine married to a melancholy and I'm explaining, I sit the assessments down and I go over, here's how you are, here's how he is. And then we got to affection and I said, you know, he's task oriented, he uh, has a deep love, he's loyal, he's dependable. He just forgets to say I love you and cuddle and hugs and, and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, she looks at me, she goes, can he be healed from that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because at home, for a sanguine, married to melancholy, yeah. a sanguine is like, a melancholy can, can appear to be very robotic. Like everything yeah. is discipline, everything is routine, everything is rigid. And then a sanguine wants adventure, excitement, socialization, fun, optimism, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. opposites attract. I think it's because about the balance of, of having the best of both worlds. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, excellent. I hope you guys learned a lot. Uh, our next episode will be on phlegmatic. And you want to give us a little teaser of that one? Yeah, phlegmatic is the peacemaker, the go with the flow. They're 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 stubborn in ways, but very much like the laid back. They're hard to read. So gotcha. that okay. that's the nutshell. But the phlegmatic can also blend with other temperaments. So we'll have to talk about what that looks like as well. Excellent. Cool. All right, well, thanks for joining. Tune in here next time, and uh, you'll hear the same radio jokes that we're making. I guess that's <laughs> going to be our running joke for this series. And next, uh, who is it? Stay know, tuned for Larry King is. coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. He's dead. Okay, He's dead. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs>